Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 22 of Revelation chapter 13. We're reading verses 11 and 12. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. We were discussing verse 11 in our last study, and especially the statement, he had two horns like a lamb. That is this second beast that comes up out of the earth. It's just another representation of Satan. God is using different illustrations, different pictures to help teach us of the things that will happen once Satan is loosed. He'll rule in the world, and now uh, the Lord is going to to give us an up-close-and-personal look at Satan's rule in the church. And this beast, who has two horns like a lamb, because Christ is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, Jesus is the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world, And Satan is going to try and look like him, to appear like Christ. And uh, he does that through the church. At this point in time, it's the time of the end of the church age. And he overcomes the saints. He has his people that have been in place uh, even during the church age. Many of them in positions of authority and power in various congregations in various denominations and now finally God has given it all over to him the thing that he has longed and desired for centuries to be like God to take his seat in the temple the church and to receive worship as God showing himself that he is God and now it's finally come He has ultimate control and authority over all churches of the world. And so things begin to change. The uh, apostasy that had been growing is now going to come like uh, an avalanche upon the churches of the world. The spiritual desolation in a denomination or in individual churches is now going to be complete, a total um, spiritual desolation over all the church world to make all churches uh, spiritually dry and and withered and because God's spirit is not there. Now Satan can fashion the church, begin to form the church, the, the whole church, not just most of the church or 99% of the church, but 100% of the church. He can now mold it after his own image. 
And that image, of course, would be one of falsehood and deceitfulness and lies. And and just as the church bore the image um, always to some degree of Christ, and, and that is the image of truth and faithfulness and and goodness, now the church would begin to appear after the image of the one who rules within and that would be the devil. And and so the Bible says he had two horns like a lamb. Now, in our last study, we took a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, we saw in verse 14, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan's apostles, false apostles, unsaved uh, individuals, people, that are in positions of authority in the church, transform themselves into apostles of Christ. And that's no marvel, that's no wonder, because that's exactly what Satan has done. He transformed himself into an angel of light. An angel, or a messenger of light. Because that is basically describing the Lord Jesus Christ. That Christ is the messenger of God. Christ is light. And Satan wants to look like Christ, to uh, to present himself as Christ. You know, uh, after the church age ended, and it, uh, the Bible reveals it ended on May 21, 1988. It's, it's a while ago now, over 20-some years. And after it ended, Satan did not have his emissaries uh, take the pulpit in all the churches all over the world, and say, we have defeated the camp of the saints. We have overcome. And the two witnesses are now lying dead in the street. And the beast is is ruling. The man of sin, Satan himself, has taken his seat now in the church. And when you do worship, you will worship the beast. And now the church will be formed in his image and so forth. That did not happen. And that's because Satan isn't a fool. He, he's very deceptive. And, and when you're very deceptive, of course you have to have some intelligence and, and he has excellent intelligence concerning evil things. He knows how the minds of people work. He knows people would run at that idea of, uh, and, and that would be truthful, wouldn't it, for Satan to have his emissaries tell the congregation this is the actual situation, that he is there now, that God has left, and if you remain, you'll continue to give worship to Satan. That would be all truthful, and and Satan it doesn't deal in truth unless... It's mixed with lies, and and he also knows that the world's um, understanding of him is the red cape with the two red horns, the sinister mustache and beard, and the pitchfork, and and that is, and he's found in haunted houses and um, in graveyards late at night. That's where you find Satan, not in a well-lit and cooled 
air-conditioned place with fairly new carpet and comfortable pews and a Bible on the podium and and Satan's man behind the podium reading from the Bible and commenting on the Bible, taking the word of God in his mouth and preaching to the congregation. Well, that's not where you find Satan. No, Satan, you have to go through cobwebs and and you you need to bring a flashlight in a dark haunted place. You see how how Satan has expertly deceived the people of the world into having an expectation of dark evil things where as far as he's concerned and anything that is lit up like a church and has the name of God the name of Christ and a Bible on the podium and a preacher preaching from the Bible, well, you're not going to find Satan there. And that is what he counts on. And and that is why he is so much able to deceive the congregation because they're not expecting it at all. They're not thinking that Satan is here that the sermon might actually be about going out into the world with the gospel to deliver people from Satan. And the last thing they would ever imagine is that Satan is the spirit that is working in their church and that the minister, their pastor, that they really like the way he preaches, is a minister of Satan. That that's just out of the question for so many people because they they don't understand this simple verse in Second Corinthians eleven. Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He comes like God. He he first of all he wants to be where God was worshipped in the church because he wants to be God, and then he knows that he can't be himself and and be the ugly um, creature that he is, the ugly fallen angel Satan. And he needs to take upon himself an appearance of that which is good and right. And so he, he starts to try and look like Christ, and he's an excellent imposter, and he, he knows the words to say, and... He knows that if you speak kindly to people and tell them what they want to hear, if you flatter them, flatter their ears, and and make them tingle with uh, good things, with benefits, with spiritual goodies, in a sense, and you tell them, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, and and make it easy for them. So they just have to make a simple choice, and it's all up to them. And and then you can snare them. You snare them with the trappings of light, with the trappings of these good things. And, and you tell them things, as we mentioned last time, that Christ died for everyone. And you tell them that, that uh, God loves you, God doesn't hate you. God doesn't hate you. He loves you. Look, look what God did for you. He, he died for you. 
and and doesn't that prove the love of God for you? And, and you see, what's the problem with that? Doesn't the Bible say God loves us? The Bible says God loves his people. God sent the Lord Jesus to die exclusively for his people. And the Bible says God hates the sinner. Not only the sin, God hates the sinner. The Bible says that Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Because Jacob I predestinated to receive salvation from before the foundation of the world. And I did not do the same for Esau. Therefore, Esau's sins are upon him. And I hate sin. And and therefore, I hate Esau, who is a sinner. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't have general blessings for men and a, a general concern for mankind. Yes, he does. But in the eternal sense, in, in the sense of salvation, he has only blessing for his people, only love for his people, and no such blessing for those that are not his chosen people. No such love for those that are not those elect. But, but, that won't sell. You can't package that. That's the truth. You, you can't make people to be drawn to that idea. It, it, it's too limiting. And, and you're excluding by the very language, uh, the vast majority of people. The Bible says a remnant is saved. And, and that means the overwhelming majority are not saved. And, and so your church will, uh, uh, again, during the church age, but, but looking at it from the perspective of the church, your church will, will, um, have only a few people. You'll drive people away. Uh, I remember there was a, a teacher on family radio, and uh, I can't remember his name, but I remember what he did. Uh, he used to be a free will preacher, I think, in Texas, and he had a full congregation, a full church. But then God opened up his eyes to the truth of salvation by the grace of God, by the faith of Christ, that, that salvation is of the Lord. It's through election and predestination, and he began to preach it because and of course we can't know anyone's hearts, but in all probability he was a true man. He was really one of God's elect himself, and therefore he he felt compelled and constrained to preach the truth to people. And this was during the time of the church age. Well, uh, he he shares in his testimony that that church practically emptied out. The people didn't like it. They didn't want to hear that kind of preaching. You see, Satan has the church world or, or many churches and congregations programmed. He has them programmed to receive only positive things, only smooth, easy to hear things, flattering things, things where the choice is up to you. And, and it, it, it's all in your hands if you'll be saved or not. And, and adding a little work to grace, but uh, yes, and that's what Satan does. And God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. 
to then take a congregation that's been hearing those kinds of things and to tell them finally the truth and to say, no, no, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says we're all sinners. We're, we're all dead in sin and we, we can't uh, exercise our souls. We're dead. Our souls are dead. We, we can't stir up ourselves to grab hold of God. That's why the Bible says none are righteous. No, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. Yes, if we could seek after him, then we would find him. But none do seek him in the earnest way from the soul that God requires. And that leaves us all in the situation where we cannot become saved. That's why Christ said that salvation is impossible with man, but possible with God. And you see, the, the gospel of the Bible was that you, you may cry to God for mercy, you may beseech Him, and, and pour out your heart before Him, and let Him know that you do desire that He might save you. And you can cry and cry and cry, and go to the Lord, and say, Oh God, I'm a sinner, and I'm under your wrath, and I deservedly so. And I know I'll eternally perish and die for my sin unless you save me. And therefore, O Lord, have mercy and and beat upon our breasts and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then wait on the Lord. Wait for him to do the work of salvation. Wait for God to save. Uh, If he be pleased to save if we are one of his elect you must wait and then today again going back in the time when it was the day of salvation if you weren't saved today then the next day you do the same thing dear god dear father in heaven have mercy have mercy won't you please save me could it be and wait again, and a third day, and a fourth day, and a hundred days, and however long it may take until God does save or until you pass away, and and perhaps never uh, being saved. But normally someone so persistent and enduring and continuing and, and not letting up beseeching the Lord, that's strong evidence that is someone who was uh, one of God's elect. But you can see how that differs and, and, and the tremendous contrast with that kind of a gospel, which is the true faithful gospel of the Bible and the gospel where the preacher preaches an emotional, a stirring message. Won't you accept Christ? Won't you come down that aisle? Won't you say the sinner's prayer? And haven't you uh, had enough of sin haven't you had enough of grieving god and and grieving your family and and so forth and and it's uh, an impassioned plea and finally the man can't take it maybe he's heard 10 messages like that i'm going to decide i'm going to accept christ and and then he does and and he he's promised life by the pastor oh my friend now you have eternal life. 
Now you believe what Jesus said, and Jesus, whoever believes on me shall not perish. You will live forever, and the, the pastor and the elders and the deacons and the rest of the congregation guarantee eternal life. And, and remember this date. Remember this day that you accepted Christ, and, and this is the day you were saved, and it's all a puff of smoke. It's all false. It, it's None of it's true. God speaks of this in Ezekiel 13, this underhandedness that every church in the land practices one way or another today. In Ezekiel 13, verse 22, Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, that is, the true believer, the elect who, uh, whenever under the hearing of that, those kinds of false teachings, we become sad because we can never uh, seem to uh, to muster up that will. We can never seem to be content in believing the things that everybody else in the congregation contentedly believes. And that's because of God's Spirit, because God has chosen us and made us one of His, and, and therefore... Uh, we need to hear his voice. The voice of the pastor won't do. The voice of the elder won't do. The voice of the whole church won't do. It has to be the voice of Christ. And, and we didn't hear it in those kinds of gospels. And so with lies, you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad. And strengthen the hands of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way, By promising him life. Promising life. That's what it does. That's what it accomplishes. It strengthens the hand, and the hand represents the will of the wicked. Here's an unsaved man, an ungodly man. He has a heart of stone, a desperately deceitful heart or desperately wicked, deceitful above all things, who can know it? He doesn't even know it himself. And then he thinks, because he walked the aisle and saved the sinner's prayer, or did whatever it is the church told him to do, he he was dunked or uh, sprinkled upon with water, and now he takes of the Lord's table, you're saved. The church assures him. The pastor, if if not outright, uh, stating it outright, directly implies you're saved. They're promising him life. And this strengthens his hand in his evil ways. Because now, well, he can continue to do as he pleases. Continue to do as he had done. And and that is to continue with that desperately wicked heart. And now if anybody ever says anything to him, well, I'm saved. I accepted Christ on such and such a date. And, and don't try to tell me I'm not saved. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus, and I believe. And and so many times um, during the days leading up to May 21, you catch a train when you're handing out tracks, and it's on a Sunday, and everybody's coming back from church, all dressed up. And you go to hand them a track, Oh, no, thank you. And this would be the Does God Love You track. And again, at a time when God was saving, no, thank you. Save it. Give it to somebody who needs it. I'm saved. And they they walk on in in perfect contentment, smiling, 
because they're saved. They're saved. They got themselves saved. They were saved through a work. And the Bible says, no man is justified by the works of the law. They never were saved. The only thing that preacher did in getting that person to accept Christ was to strengthen their will and their wickedness and to convince them they don't need real salvation. They don't need the true grace of God. And and you see how the working of Satan, the evil deception to make people believe the lie, and they believe it more than they believe the truth. And and the truth starts looking evil to them. So many people despise the doctrine of election. They hate the word predestination, or at least... Um, what it means they hate. They, they can't stand this idea that there's a limited number, a certain number of people that God chose and, and that God determined to save. And, oh, that's, that's awful doctrine, some people think. But it's the truth. It's the true doctrine of the Bible. You see, the truth, the truth is not pleasant. The truth is not all-inclusive. The truth is often a narrow way. And the truth is is that uh, which says that the vast majority of people will die in their sin. The truth is that God is the Savior and man cannot get himself saved. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.